Good morning. If you could turn to Exodus chapter 20, we're going to jump off from there. And while you're turning, let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you for loving us. We ask that you would help us as we look into your word today. Uh, Lord, that you would help us to apply your word to our lives this week. In Jesus' name, amen. So over the last several weeks, we've covered the first four of the Ten Commandments. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make unto yourself a graven image. Um, Don't take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. And today we're going to cover commandment number five, honor thy father and thy mother. And my mom and dad are here in the audience today, so no pressure. No pressure. Let's look in uh, verse 12. Honor thy father and mother of Exodus chapter 20 that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. The first four commandments are often referred to as the first table of the law, and if you think about them, they all have to do with our relationship to God. Some people call it the vertical commandments, if you will. Starting with commandment number four, or number five, the remaining six have to do with horizontal relationships, relationships with other people in our lives. Thou shalt not kill having to do with other people. Thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not give false testimony, and thou shalt not covet. So this first one, honor thy father and mother, is the first of what's known as the second table of the law. There's some conjecture I was reading. There's apparently people that care a lot about this. Uh, They say Moses came down the mountain with two tables of stone, and the one table had just the first four, and the other had the last six. I don't know if that's the way it was arranged or not. And to me, it doesn't matter, although to some people apparently it very much does. But this is the first commandment that has to do with our relationships with other people. Honor your father and mother. Why do you think God put this commandment first in this second table of the law? I think it's because it's foundational. It's step one. If you start a, a project, putting together a toy. As I have children, uh, we've done Christmas gifts every year, and unfortunately, we always seem to buy things that have instructions. And I don't like instructions because I like to be able to figure things out, but I've learned the hard way. When you put together your children's toys, you have to start with the instructions, and you start with step one. And this is kind of step one in God's instruction manual of how to relate to the people around us. Adrian Rogers said this, and this is really deep, so I'm going to read it very slowly. I do talk very quickly, by the way, especially when I'm excited, and I am excited about what we're going to be talking about today, so if I do start talking too fast for you, just slowly put your hand in the air, and I will see it, and I will know what you mean, and I will slow down, okay? Adrian Rogers said, the child that does not learn to honor his father and mother will have a basic character flaw that will impede him from keeping the rest of the commandments. Think about that. A basic character flaw. If you have a flaw, it's not something that you can work around. A basic character flaw. So, God takes honoring our parents very seriously. So seriously, he put it in his top ten, if you will. Honor is not a verb that we use a lot today. Okay, I mean, we talk about honor, and we know that the military talks a lot about about honor, and uh, we're supposed to honor um, leaders and so on and so forth. But what does honoring our parents really look like in the day-to-day? I want to talk about five ways that we can show honor to our parents. And this is not an exhaustive list. I'm sure that as you sit and listen, 
uh, you'll think, well, I can think of like seven others, probably. But uh, we have communion to do today, and there's a meeting after the service. So we're going to just look at five today, okay? Five ways that we can show honor to our parents. So the first way is very obvious. I think all of us would have this top on our list. First, obey your parents. Obey your parents. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 verse 20 says, Children, obey your parents in everything. I know, there's other ones that say the Lord. I heard someone say that. And that's what I would have said too, but I happen to know what Colossians 3 says because I looked it up. Colossians, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing to the Lord. Ephesians 6, 1, verses 1 through 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. And then the Apostle Paul, who's writing in Ephesians, reiterates, this is the first commandment with a promise. What's the promise? That it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. I love the fact that the Apostle Paul included this, the fifth commandment, in Ephesians, and said, by the way, New Testament believers, this is still in effect. You still have to honor your parents. And the promise still applies too, which is fantastic. Obedience is so, so crucial, and the thing about obedience is it is 100% a learned skill. Those of you with children, you never had to teach your children to disobey, did you? No, it's just, it comes naturally. And you know, we're all really good at it, at disobedience. Some of us are more creative than others, but we all know exactly how to disobey. Obedience must be taught. It must be something that is learned. The Bible has many verses, I'm just going to pick a few of them, that talk about teaching your children obedience. You might want to jot these down. I remember my dad quoted these to me a lot growing up. Dad will probably say these right along with me. Proverbs 13, verse 24. Whoever spares the rod hates his son, but he who loves him is diligent to discipline him. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 15. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child. If I had a nickel for every time I heard my dad say this to me, I would be doing very well in life. Foolishness is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far away. Proverbs chapter 23 Verses 13 and 14. Don't withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he will not die, but you will save his soul from hell. I know that some of you have that shirt that says, but did you die? You know, as a mom, as a dad, you know, you don't want to discipline your child. But I would rather them cry now than make me cry later. My dad used to quote to me this proverb. It's a Jewish proverb. It says, better a child should cry than his mother. I made my mom cry once. I remember distinctly. I remember distinctly the last time I made my mom cry. And I I tell you, to this day, I am still ashamed of that. Proverbs chapter 29, verses 15 and 17. The rod and reproof give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. Correct your son, and he will give you rest. Yes, he will be a delight to your soul. We can honor our parents by being obedient. Parents, it's our job to teach our children also to be obedient to us. And the Bible talks a lot about corporal punishment. God condones it, so I'm not going to say that it's wrong, but I will tell you, do it right. Ephesians chapter 6, we read verses 1 through 3, and parents, as parents, I love this verse. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. I love quoting my, 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 that verse to my children. But verse number 4 says, Fathers, 
do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I can't think of anything that would have made me angrier than getting in an argument with my dad where I thought I was right. But because he was bigger, he got to tell me what to do. And as a parent, I sometimes find my children disobey. I know it's shocking. And I get angry at their disobedience. And I go, you know, like that. And you know what they do? They do the same thing back. Well, I'm bigger, so I'm going to win. But that's not going to teach them anything. My dad used to send me, my mom too, they used to send me to our room to sit on my bed. Dad would be unhappy with us. He would get upset. Not with you, Ruth. (laughs) The rest of us. Not with Lisa. Yeah, Lisa. So Lisa is the sister that lives in Georgia. She was the good child. And if she were here, she would be looking very smug about now. Mom and dad would be angry with what we were doing because we were doing something wrong. And they would say, go sit on your bed. And we would sit there for hours. And as a child, I thought that was part of the punishment. Because after you sat there for hours, dad would come and stand in the doorway and we'd have a little lecture and then I'd be spanked. What I realize now as an adult, he was making me sit in there so he could calm down and he wasn't angry. Why? Because it's important that you discipline your child. This Ephesians chapter 6 verse 4, in the King James, discipline and instruction says nurture and admonition. And I really like that translation to nurture something. Do you know what nurturing means? It means to raise it because you want it to grow big and thrive. Nolan, Fred's little grandson, we we want him to thrive. And I know that his parents and the doctors are nurturing that baby. They are giving him vitamins. They're giving him whatever he needs to help him grow. But, you know, in order for something to thrive, sometimes you have to cut a piece off. My dad loves tomatoes. I'm so glad you're here, Dad. This is going to be fun. My dad loves tomatoes. And when we were kids, he used to grow tomatoes every day summer on the side of our house. And in fact, he loved nurturing those tomatoes so much that sometimes I think he spent more time with the tomatoes than with us. I'm kidding. But he used to nurture those tomatoes. He would fertilize them. He would water them. He would also get out a pair of scissors. And you know what he would do? He would prune them. Yeah, yeah, faith and grace know exactly. But you cut off the little shoots that don't have any flowers on them because they use resources that make the tomatoes grow. And you want those tomato plants to thrive, so you purposefully cut off bits and pieces. When you discipline your child, what you are doing is you are cutting off behaviors that will hold that child back from growing and thriving in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Why is it so important that our children learn obedience and that we obey our parents? Well, because obedience always brings a blessing, but rebellion always brings a curse. There's two passages I'm going to refer to. There's, there's, this lesson is throughout the Word of God, but Romans chapter 1 may be a familiar passage to you. The Apostle Paul in Romans is talking about a society that has turned away from God and the earmarks of a society that's turned away from God and the fact that when a society turns away from God, God judges them and turns them over to the things that they want to do. Romans chapter 1, we're going to pick up in verse 28. 
The Bible says, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. This is a judgmental thing that God has done where he says, okay, you want to disobey, you want to disobey, I'm going to give you exactly what you want, and it's not going to make it happen. You're not not going to be happy about it. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. Listen to this list of sins full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness, gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil. And then in verse 30 right here, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless, Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but they give approval to those who practice them. You know, a society that has children who are disobedient to parents, it's not just a sign of a culture that's turning away from God. It's part of God's judgment to that culture, according to Romans chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 3, the Apostle Paul writes something very similar. He says, understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. The King James says perilous times, perilous times. For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, sounds like our culture, sounds like what you see on TV, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. And then I love this. Paul says, by the way, avoid such people. (laughs) Avoid such people. Paul tells Timothy that a generation that has this symptom, disobedience to parents, is a sign of a dying culture. It's a sign of the last days. And I don't think that, I don't think you can overstate that. I know that, you know, some people are, you know, the sky is falling. But Satan has always had the destruction of God's plan for the family, first and foremost on his agenda of things to do, because that's what God designed to hold us all together. God's design for how we interact with each other as husbands and wives is under attack. As parents and children, that's foundational to God's plan. And Satan would love nothing better than to see it fall apart. It's happening in our culture It's happened other places in the world long ago, but our culture has been kind of a holdout. It's happening in our culture, and it's a sign of a dying culture and and pending judgment. There's a huge difference. Just think about television for a second. Those of you, I'm 45, so I saw Leave it to Beaver on reruns, okay? But some of you saw it when maybe it really originally aired, and Leave it to Beaver is wholesome, and it's nice. You know, Ward and June Cleaver, they're kind of like touchstones of our society. Oh, you're just like Ward Cleaver, okay? Leave it to Beaver, and then compare that to Modern Family. I hope you don't watch Modern Family. I, uh, I was looking for an example, and so I just Googled sitcoms. I don't watch television. I Googled sitcoms, and I watched a couple clips. I got to tell you, Here's the thing about sin. We all have a sin nature. We all have an old man. And the old man is still amused by sin. There are sitcoms out there today. They are funny. But you know what part of you is laughing? You know what part of you finds that amusing? The part that Christ died for. 
And if Christ were sitting on your couch watching Modern Family with you, I don't think he would be smiling. We need to be very, very careful that we don't go along with Satan's program unintentionally. Obey your parents. Obey your parents. And some of you are saying, you know, I'm a little old to be obeying my parents. Some of you, your parents have gone on to glory. I understand. But some of us were too old to obey parents, and our parents are still here. So the second way you can show honor to your parents is listening to their advice. Listening to their advice. When I went to college, my dad and mom quit telling me when to go to bed. We didn't have cell phones back in the day. Oh, thank you. This was a great risk having you guys here today, I'll be honest. But when I went to college, in fact, the day that mom and dad dropped me off, I'm so glad we didn't have cell phones. I have a helicopter parent that works for me. Actually, their child works for me. And the parent will call my managers every day and say, now this is how I'd like you to manage my daughter today. Don't be that guy, okay? Teach your children so that when they leave your house, when they leave, they do what they know The Bible teaches because you have taught it to them. My dad, actually, the day that they dropped me off for college, pulled me aside out of mom's hearing and put his arm around me and said, son, your mother and I have spent the last 18 years raising you. We've taught you everything we know. We know that you know what right and wrong is. I will support you. Your mother and I love you. We will always help you, but don't ever plan on living at home again. God's honest truth. My mom did not know he said this until years later, by the way. But you know what? That's awesome. That's the way it should be. I wasn't offended at all. I I was like, why would I plan on living at home again? This is great. I can't wait to move into the residence hall. Proverbs chapter 1, verses 8 and 9 say, Hear, my son, your father's instruction. Do not forsake your mother's teaching. Indeed, they are a graceful wreath to your head and an ornament around your neck. Listen to your parents' advice. Obey them. Listen to their advice as you get older. I want to tell you a story. Some of you will know this. My mom, my mom gave me investment advice in 1992. 1992, I'm moving away from home. I had some money set aside because I had worked a lot during high school and I didn't have any friends. I was a pretty boring person. And so my mom said there are two lots on Thornhill Avenue here in Port St. Lucie. They're being sold for $5,000 a piece. You should buy them and hold on to them. I had $10,000 in the bank. And I remember looking at her and I would say, Mom, I'm going to college and I am never moving back to Port St. Lucie ever. (laughs) You know what I did with that $10,000? Yeah, I spent it all the first year I was in college and not on college on mostly Big Macs because there was a Burger King right down from the college. I spent it all. And in 2003, God, who has a sense of humor, had me move back to Port St. Lucie. And in 2005, do you know how much those pieces of property were on the market for? My mom does. (laughs) They were selling for $100,000 a piece. Listen to your parents' advice. I told my wife that story. She was not happy. She's like, what? (laughs) Obey your parents. Listen to their advice. Show them respect. Show them respect. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 3 says, every one of you should reverence his father and mother. By the way, my father-in-law is here as well. 
I'm just very fortunate that he has only had about uh, 20 years to uh, tell me what to do. <laughs> My father-in-law, Joe, is a fantastic man. Leviticus chapter 20, verse 9. This is one of the 613 additional laws that were added to the Ten Commandments. It says, if there is one that curses his father and mother, he will surely be put to death. God takes being respectful of your parents so seriously that being disrespectful carried the death penalty. And I mean, in our society, that doesn't sound like it plays out very well. You go to YouTube or whatever, and half of what you see is people being disrespectful of someone else and then laughing hysterically. He has cursed his father and mother, Leviticus 20, verse 9, and his blood guiltiness is on him. God takes respect seriously. Now, in the situation above, this isn't some little kid that talks back to his parents. Otherwise, we'd all be in real trouble. This is a a young person that has grown up, and his parents have done their best to teach him or her to be respectful, to obey, to listen. And this this is a young person that just will not obey. All children need to grow up. Children are childish because they're children, okay? Even Jesus was childish. Jesus grew up. Luke chapter 2 verse 52 says that Jesus increased in wisdom, in stature, and in favor with God and man. Jesus never sinned, don't get me wrong, but he was childish because he was a child. God takes respect seriously. There's a very startling story in 2 Kings chapter 2. 2 Kings chapter 2, verses 23 and 24. This is when Elisha received Elijah's mantle. Elijah had just been caught up by God in a fiery chariot and a whirlwind, and he was gone, and his mantle fell to the ground, and Elisha picked up his mantle. And the first thing Elisha did was he went to Bethel, and on the way, he went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going up on the way, some boys came out of the city and jeered at him, saying, go up, you bald head. I can just imagine them saying, get out of here, baldy. I, I would not like being called baldy, I'll just be honest. I would not like that. And it wasn't that they were just being childish and playing. You get the sense that they were jeering, they were mocking. Who knows, they might have been throwing something. Elisha turned around, and when he saw them, he cursed them in the name of the Lord. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. Yeah, that's kind of startling. Now, listen, I'll be honest. I'm glad we don't live under the Levitical laws anymore. I really am. But this whole concept of respecting your parents, respecting your elders... It's foundational. It's foundational. I mean, just look at how it plays out in the rest of society. United Nations Office on Drugs and Crime has a statistic that I looked up this week. The Americas, okay, North, South America, the murder rate in the Americas is 16.3%. Out of every 100,000 people, 16.3 of those people will be murdered in a given year. Do you know what the murder rate is for Asia? Now, Asia comprises a lot of different countries, not companies, countries, But the murder rate for Asia, less than 3%. What's one of the things that Asian culture is known for? Honor and respect for parents, respect for authority. And it plays out through every other facet of life. You can obey your parents, listen to their advice, respect your parents. Respect your parents. Point four is maybe a little more difficult. 
express your gratitude to your parents. One of the ways that we can show honor to our parents is expressing gratitude, and words are not enough. We're going to talk about how you do that verbally, but words aren't enough. I can say whatever I want, but it has to mean something. 1 Timothy chapter 5, verses 4 and 8, Paul is talking about the duty of, um, of the church and, and how we relate to people in the church, and he says, but if any widow has children or grandchildren, they first have to learn to practice piety. Piety is a word that just means to be dutiful, to be dutiful. In, uh, they have to practice piety in regard to their own family and to make some return to their parents, for this is acceptable in God's sight. You know how much money and time and effort your parents invested in you? It's about time they got a return on their investment. I would have really liked to get the return on investment from uh, the advice my mom gave me, but I didn't. I'm still going to have to support you financially. I should have listened to you, okay? The Bible says it's important to make some return to your parents. This is acceptable in God's sight. He's talking about money. They supported you when you were young. It's our responsibility to make sure that they have what they need when they're older. And this is something that he emphasizes in verse 8. If anyone does not provide for his own, and especially those of his household, and we're not talking about parents providing for a wife and children, or a father, wife, and children. We're not talking about um, up to down. We're talking about children providing for parents in this context. If anyone does not provide for his own, especially those of his household, listen to the next line. He has denied the faith. If you're a believer today, you will not do this. He has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. As a child of God, this is something that we are called to do, to express our gratitude to our parents, to help meet their needs, to help meet the physical needs, financial needs, emotional needs, whatever needs they have as they get older. I'm not making eye contact with my dad because he would like to have breakfast with me a lot more than I have breakfast with him. You're retired, though. He's retired, but he works harder than anybody I ever met. I'm like, Dad, what's going on? Oh, I'm at work. You're retired. No, we need to meet the needs of our parents. That's expression of gratitude. Words are not enough, but words are important. Proverbs chapter 25 has a verse that most of us have heard before. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pictures of silver. This is prophetic, not prophetic. This is poetic language, okay? Think about it. Gold and silver, they're inherently valuable. But when you take that gold and silver and you, you, you make it into some sort of statue or what, not statue, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. You know what I'm saying? You make art out of it. The art, the value of the art is more than just the value of the gold and silver. And you know what? Words are important, but when you take the right words at the right time and say them with the right attitude, they have a profound impact on the people that hear them. I can't tell you how many times my children have said to me, Thanks, Dad. You're welcome. But there have been a couple times where they've looked me in the eye and they said, Dad, I really appreciate the way that you've done this or what you've done for us here. And I just want you to know how, how grateful I am. That's better. You know, thanks, you're welcome. No, be specific. 
thank you, Dad, Mom, thank you for raising us in a way that was pleasing to God. Thank you for giving us advice, even when we didn't listen to it. Thank you for sacrificing so that we could have opportunities that you never had. Express your gratitude. The right words at the right time can profoundly impact someone's life. They're amazingly valuable to the people that hear them, and your parents need to hear them. And then last, number five, and I think possibly the most valuable way that you can honor your parents is by living a godly life. Living a godly life. Do you realize that you are probably your parents' greatest achievement? You should be your parents' greatest achievement. I don't care what your parents did, what your dad or mom did, what they built, what kind of financial success they had. When you meet them on the street, they probably aren't going to talk about all their business success. If you met my dad, some of you did. Matthew, where are you? Matthew, there you are. So Matthew met my dad Wednesday, I think, right? And he and I, I know that you met him and talked. I know that my dad did not talk about his business success with Matthew. Do you know how I know that? My dad was a pastor. He's been a pastor of two churches, one in North Anvil, Pennsylvania. Uh, and that was a church of about 40 people that had broken away from a church Uh, It was a mainline denominational church, and they broke away because the denomination was sliding into heresy. And they were looking to possibly start their own church, possibly join another. I, I was really little. I don't remember all that. But I know that they called my dad. And they had him do pulpit supply. And there was a point where they said, well, why, why don't you just move up here and be our pastor? And that church went from 40, 50 people to 200 and some. And build building... It's on a hill, it's still there today, still functioning, still teaching the Word of God. A person that was saved in that church moved down to Florida and kept in contact with my dad and kept calling and saying, hey, we're living in this place called Port St. Lucie. This was back in the 80s. And there's 12 churches here, if you count Jehovah's Witness and the Mormons and the Catholic Church and so on and so forth, and we can't find a church that teaches God's Word. You should come down here and start a church. And so in 1988, guess what? That's what we did. We moved down here. We had our first church service in our living room. The first teen Sunday school class was my bedroom, one person attending. Okay? And that church, which started in those humble beginnings, is still in existence today, and it's still preaching the Word of God today. It happens to be this church. And many of you may not have known that. I know that Dad did not talk about that because Matthew didn't know that because I was mentioning it yesterday. He said, oh, really? Yeah. But if you talk to my mom or my dad, you know what they're probably going to talk to you about? Yeah, us. Thank you, Ruth. Don't say it with such excitement. Us. uh. (laughs) They'll talk about their children and their grandchildren. Children and grandchildren. Grandchildren are a crown of the aged, Proverbs 17, verse 6 says. Third John, chapter 1, verse 4 says, I have no greater joy than to hear my children are walking in the truth. Proverbs, uh, Psalms 127, verses 3 through 5. Behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. Heritage means it's something that can be inherited, and it, inherently it's valuable. I mean, you don't want to inherit something that's not valuable, right? Children are a 
property that can be inherited that is inherently valuable and the fruit of the womb is a reward like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He will not be put to shame when he speaks with the enemy in the gate. Arrows are really cool because you can have an impact on something that you may never be able to touch. I'll never forget when my dad turned 60, he pulled me aside and he said, you know, it's an interesting thing being 60 because, you know, when you're 20, you start out in life and you have all these plans. And between 20 and 40, you're really trying to get things started. And that 20-year segment, it just passes. Then you hit 40 and you kind of know where you are and you know what you're doing. And from 40 to 60, you get it done. Those are the most productive years of your life. And then from 60 on, he goes, I'm just... He says, I'm kind of looking at how do I end this well? How do I end this well? And you figure by 80, you may not be the most productive individual. And I don't say that in a, in a demeaning way. It's just the nature of life. But your children will be hitting that 40 to 60 range, and they will be in the most productive point in their life, and they will be able to have an impact on people and things that you will never have an impact on. And if you have guided them properly, they're going to go straight and they're going to hit the target. You can honor your parents by living a godly life. There are two different times in Scripture that God the Father said, this is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. One was when Jesus was baptized, and the other was on the Mount of Transfiguration. You know, I'm sure Jesus, I'm sure, or I'm sure, I'm sure God is pleased with creation. I mean, he said it's very good. But he's never come to us and said, hey, have you ever checked out the solar system? Oh, I'm pleased with how that turned out. That was awesome. Think of this, the God that created the universe, when he came and said to us, I'm pleased about something, it was about his son. We can honor our parents by living a godly life. By the way, um, I, just, I, I am grateful for my mother-in-law and father-in-law, Marcy and Joe, and I'm very grateful for my parents. My parents, uh, Doug and Tina, it's their 50th wedding anniversary this Friday. So I would like to honor you by saying thank you. Thank you for being married for 50 years, and thank you for what you've done for Ruth, Lisa, Bethany, and myself. Hey, you two, don't mess it up, okay? Lisa wouldn't. She's the good child. <laughs> so, honor your parents. Obey them. Listen to their advice. Show them respect. Express your gratitude and live a godly life. In closing, I do realize that some of us, some of the people that I'm talking about today, you say, my parents have already gone on to be with God. I can't change that. I understand. I do realize that some of us say, my relationship with my children are not great. I messed it up because I wasn't, a, I wasn't a believer when my kids were young, and now they're adults as well. What do you do? You know, the Bible, uh, in First Timothy, our scripture reading, talked about the fact that God wanted us to pray for all those in authority. We talked about the fact that uh, a generation that doesn't learn to obey their parents is probably not going to obey other members of authority. You can start with square one. We talked about the fact that the, the two tables of the law, the first table, the first four commandments had to do with our relationship with God and then it leads into the relationship with other people. Start at the beginning. Start at square one. It's never too late to go back and start at square one. How is your relationship with God? 
if we get our relationship with God right, I can't help but thinking it's going to put us on a platform where we can then get all the relationships with all the other people in our life in the right place because it's foundational. Your relationship with God starts with a relationship with Jesus Christ. God created us all, but sin came into the world and it severed our relationship with God. And the only way that we can renew that relationship is through the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. God knew that we couldn't pay for the penalty of sin. So he sent his son to be a man, to live just like you and me, and to live a sinless life. And because he was sinless, he didn't deserve to die. But he died as a sacrifice in our place. And he rose again. And he offers salvation to us. Pastor John is about to come, and he is about to uh, lead us through communion. Communion is uh, a way that we remember Christ's sacrifice, his death on the cross. If you have never accepted God's gift of salvation, if you've never come before Christ and repented of your sins and said, Lord, I want to be saved from the penalty of sin, I want a relationship with you, today's the day. Today's the day. After the service, I'm going to be up here at the front, Pastor Gerald, Pastor John. Any one of us would be more than happy to sit down with you and talk with you from Scripture about how Christ died for us and how he offers salvation to each and every one. Start at square one. Get that relationship right. And then through that relationship with Christ, you can learn from God's word about how all the other relationships in our life are supposed to fit together. Let's close with a word of prayer and then Pastor John's going to come up and lead us in communion. Lord, we're grateful for your word. We're grateful for the fact that in your Ten Commandments, you put this one right in the middle. Um, Lord, I understand that some of us, our parents may not have been believers and they may not have been perfect. Nobody is. And, you know, we're not perfect as children either. Um, So help us to look past the faults that our parents have to the love that they've shared with us, um, to the hope that they have for the future. Lord, sometimes parents fail, but there are others in life who have come along and who have invested. Lord, help us to express our gratitude to them as well for the impact that they've had in our lives. Lord, uh, for those of us uh, now on the other side, uh, we're not children anymore, we're adults, help us to be worthy of honor. Help us to get our relationship with you right so that our relationship with those around us will have a solid foundation uh, for us to have a positive impact on others' lives. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.